This episode of The Naked Truth is brought to you by Swing Time, the time travel WSDC event. Swing Time is taking place July 25th to the 28th in my hometown of Denver, Colorado. In addition to the usual Jack and Jill's, Strictly Swing, All-American, and Routines and Visions, they've also got unique fun competitions like the Open Strictly, Footwork Battle, and the One-Footed Spin Strictly Contest. Swing Time also has great learning opportunities. They have leveled workshops with no auditions, solo workshops, and a master's workshop track. Plus, there are two theme nights, Time Travel to the Past, where you dress up as someone from the past, and a Travel to the Future Blacklight Glow Dance, where you dress like you're from the future. Weekend pass prices are currently $149. However, Naked Truth listeners have the ability to time travel back to their $139 price by using coupon code TRUTH during checkout. Just go to swingtimewcs.com forward slash truth to buy your pass today. Again, that's swingtimewcs.com forward slash truth. Get your weekend passes today. Welcome to the Naked Truth Real Talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Deborah. And I'm Eric. And today we're sitting down with two champion swing dancers whose primary dance is not West Coast Swing. These two have been Carolina Shag dancers for 15 years, winning for the first time in the Junior 1 division of the National Shag Dance Championships in 1994. They swept the Junior 2 division for the next five consecutive years, taking first place from 1996 through 2000. In 1996, they won the Best Overall Award at the National Shag Dance Championships, the first ever for a junior division couple. They repeated as Best Overall Champions in 1997, 1999, 2000, and 2002. Moving into the Pro Shag Division in 2001, they placed second, and the next year they won their first professional division title at the National Shag Dance Championships. In 2009, they won the Shag Division at the U.S. Open Swing Dance Championships for the seventh time, and they are two-time Team Swing Challenge champions. They have also won eight titles in the Carolina Classic Division and seven Team Division titles at the USA Grand Nationals. He has also won the U.S. Open Classic Division, first in 1999 with partner Ginger Pickerell, and then in 2007 with Khalees Key. With Khaleesi, also won the 2007 Classic Division at the USA Grand Nationals, and they were subsequently named Impact Couple of the Year. A few years later, he even partnered with our very own Deborah Zake to perform a classic routine. And in 2011, today's guests became the event directors for USA Grand National Dance Championships, which just celebrated its 25th anniversary. We are thrilled to have joining us today, Leanne and Michael Norris. Welcome to the show. Welcome! Yay! Yay. Y'all make us sound so good. Y'all are so good. (laughs) So good. Yeah, yeah. Um, So usually we ask the same question all the time, but because you're not our normal kinds of guests that we usually have, I'm going to ask you, you two are the first guests we've had whose primary dance is not West Coast Swing. You both are champions in a dance called Carolina Shag. So before we begin, can you tell our listeners what Carolina Shag is, and can you tell us a little bit about its history? Go ahead. <laughs> well, Carolina Shag, okay, this, this is a good question. Um, Carolina Shag is a obviously a form of swing, um, and it's primarily done in, on the East Coast, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, in the Virginia and D.C. area. Um, 
And it started, you know, it depends on who you ask, really, about the <laughs> beach where it started. But North Carolina and South Carolina beaches is kind of where it started. And it's 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 a smoother style of swing. It's, it's, it fits with West Coast swing really well. Obviously, it's not like your, your Lindy and that kind of thing. It's just a little bit slower music. Um, and it used to fit with West Coast swing a lot better than it did. Than it does now. Than it does now, just because it's a music thing, obviously. Right. Um, the West Coast has changed a lot. And... Carolina Jag music has kind of stayed the same, which is a good thing. It's uh-huh. two, two triples in a rock, and it's a predominantly male-dominated dance. And um, wouldn't you say? Uh, and how how you guys move is different than we do. Can you explain that? What do you mean? Well, we we move together as one unit, right? Sure. And you move away, right? Yeah. So we, Michael and I, like to call it kind of more of an accordion look. So right. you're kind of coming together you know, stepping towards each other on one and two, kind of having a front, middle, and back of your basics. So the front rock is you're coming together, then you have a middle part, and then you have your rock step, which is the furthest part um, of your basic. And when we move to, like if you see West Coast Swing, where shag is more footwork oriented. Um, So most of the action is happening from the waist down. A lot of people say it's just footwork, which it is just footwork, but the hips are what's making some of the footwork look unique. Um, so that's one thing you do see our upper body from our waist up is fairly still. Um, and all the focus is on the feet 99% of the time. You've said, you just said that, um, it's predominantly a male, uh, dance, but wouldn't you say that in the years now, like the last, I'm going to say maybe eight years, the women have more of a say in the dance? Yeah, absolutely. I I think, I think a lot of that is, you know, styling and certainly, um, you know, various female dancers, I think, each have their own style. And some certainly um, are, are very talented. You know, one that comes to mind, Nikki Kentulis. You know, mm-hmm. she's extremely, extremely talented, um, you know, is a great swing dancer, shagger. Um, she can, you know, go, go back and forth between the male and the female foot um, and certainly has is very powerful regardless of who she's dancing with. And so that she's a perfect example of kind of what, what you're explaining. Um, that would not have happened. If you go back and look at shag videos 20 years ago, you would never see um, some of the footwork, some of the leads that she does, some of the styling that, that she does for sure. You would have never seen that 20 years ago, which is awesome. Cause that means we're evolving, still trying to stay within our dance, but also evolving sure. um, as the music and, you know, kind of the dancers evolve. Yeah. And being the male dance, I remember my first swing event I went to, I danced in a Jack and Jill. Um, I don't think it was with you, Deborah, but it was at Boogie by the Bay. And one of the judges came up to me and told me I was very selfish. And I didn't, (laughs) years, 25 years ago, and I still remember it. And she told me, yeah, it was Kelly Casanova. Um, And I I, I totally, and I love her and I totally understand it now. I spoke to her and what I was doing is I was trying to be the peacock when I was dancing with a West Coast swing person. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of hard. I had to learn kind of the hard way to figure out how to take what I do and not be the the peacock of the dance. And did she know you were a shag dancer? She did. And she would, cause I think I asked her for feedback. We were trying to get information and get feedback and that kind of thing. So she said, and I remember it. I mean, that was in 1996, I believe. And it's always stuck with me. So I really think about when I'm doing West Coast Jack and Jill's and things, not to be, I'm out of my element. So I don't want to be the peacock in the show. I want to do my footwork and what makes me unique and different, but I don't want to be out there showing off like I, and I went back and watched the video year, you know, and I was, I was showing off. It was all about me and nothing about her. So 
it's kind of stuck with me. So that's kind of interesting when I dance with a West Coast person. I try to keep that in mind. So good constructive criticism. Exactly. And yeah. it's been 26 years later and I still remember it. So <laughs> it's good. Left an impression. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It did leave, leave an impression. <laughs> so speaking of people like uh, Nikki, who have been the important people in the shag world? So for our listeners who maybe are new to shag, who should we know about and what should we know about them? Um, well, I, I would say obviously our biggest mentors, um, have been Charlie Womble and Jackie McGee. Um, and I think if you go back and pull and I say videotapes, cause that's <laughs> mostly where the majority of our dances right. can be found. Um, when you go back and look at some of our older tapes, you definitely can see a lot of Charlie and Jackie influence in our dancing and especially, um, Michael's dancing. Michael had every dance, I think, every major dance, every major competition memorized um, what they wore. He could do the whole routine from front to back. You know, this was all pre-YouTube days. Um, and and for me as well, I mean, that was kind of what we used to do. We would go to school. We would come home. And instead of watching TV, we would watch dance, dance videos. Days. Right. That, that would be all we would do until our parents would either, you know, A, make us – turn them off or make us do our homework or eat dinner. I mean, um, so I think certainly, um, Jackie McGee for me in terms of female dancers, um, you know, I think we all have to think historical kind of who laid the foundation for us. Uh, Shad and Brenda Alberti certainly are two people that come to mind as far as kind of truly being masters of our dance and advancing our dance. Um, other female, I think female influences, um, Angie Powell for me, she lives, she lives on the West coast. She kind of teetered in West coast swing a little bit here and there. Deborah, did, did you meet her? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she was always someone that I enjoyed watching as a kid. Uh, she was really good friends with my mom and dad and lit, she was from around the area that I grew up in, in North Carolina. Right. And, um, so her and, and, um, her and her dance partner at the time used to, you know, kind of go out pretty frequently with my mom and dad. And so I kind of always looked up to her as I was kind of growing and expanding my wings in terms of dance. Um, other kind of renowned people, I'm just going down the list here, you know, in terms of kind of where we are and where we've been. Certainly Sarah West with her, with her um, brother, Sam West, you know, they have won probably more dance competitions than we have. Um, it's great to see her now. She has two sons that have carried on that tradition. And I, I as does bad. Sam, Sam has two kids too. Sam, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, certainly Grayson Smith and Jessica McElhaney are two big influences in, in our life. They were two of our best friends, kids growing up, we grew up together. Um, it was great to have back, both of them back at grand nationals this year. Um, for that reason, um, so Jessica McElhaney, she's another kind of strong female to me that kind of stands out, um, that speaks for herself, doesn't necessarily need a strong partner. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Beaver, she and and her husband, Joey Saluzzo. Jennifer, I think for a while had kind of like the record. Her and Mandy Holt, I think, had the record for the most like dance partners and multiple <laughs> dance competitions and placements. And to me, that just goes to show you that you know, they're an excellent dancer. They, it doesn't matter who they're dancing with. They yeah, can they have kind versatility. Of Absolutely. Right. Um, <laughs> certainly Nikki, who else am I leaving out? 
I'm uh, taking over the conversation. Uh, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. What about males? And uh, well, look at what she kind of covered all that. Like Charlie was obviously my influence growing up. I mean, my aunt and uncle um, used to compete, and I, you know, I watched them. They were my first kind of idols in dance world. And then I started, you know, going out and seeing different dancers as well. And like Judy Eastwood was a big influence. Um, and she's still around now, and she was at Grand Nationals right. this year. She was a big influence um, when I first started. And then the first time I saw Charlie and Jackie, obviously, it was love at first sight, you know. Um, and and still to this day, they take the floor, and I, whatever I'm doing, I stop doing it and go sit and watch. I mean, and, you know, and they're even when they're doing nothing, they're still amazing. So um, they were probably, I mean, I, all the dancers, I mean, like Cy Creed, um, Sam, um, Jeff Burdick was back in that day. Right, right. Wayne Green, all Brent, the, Brent Key. Key, yeah. And that was, you know, Brent was a, he was, uh, he used to, yeah, he could spin like a top. And mm-hmm. he was a little ahead of his time, too, in the shag community in the early 90s. And he never really got the credit he deserved. Um, and his feet lot, were fast. Just amazing. And I yeah. think it was just like, he was just different and amazing and you know he went on the swing world and you know he was a sh- uh, amazing shagger and obviously he was more successful in the swing world i think because he was such a good shag dancer um so all people growing up i mean and still to this day any of those people i just named if they're dancing on the floor even today i try to make a point to go watch because it's just and not that the dancers are not good today it's just kind of refreshing to see their style and everything from back in the day you know well, and, and a lot of them were at Grand Nationals this year. And they did social dance, and they, they're still amazing, all of them. Yeah, and that was you really know? cool to see, yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know, the style's changing. It's just just nice to kind of see what you started with and just see right. them again. Look, I do realize that, you know, um, shag dancing is, is, is more – it's like a family culture, uh, whereas West Coast Swing is not kind of like that. Like, it's part, like it's part of the Carolinas – you know, like family oriented, but how did you guys get involved in dancing? I was about six or seven years old and my mom, my mom grew up um, in Wilmington, North Carolina. And she, she she had seven brothers and sisters and her older sister um, would always kind of have to babysit her, so to speak. And so my mom tagged along with her and she learned how to dance, how to shag. And so my mom kind of picked it up from her. So then fast forward, you know, 15 years, 20 years, um, she married my dad who had two left feet and could never get him to go and take lessons. You know, he's a tall guy, you know, um, six, two, six, three. Um, and, so finally, after they had my brother and myself, um, around six or seven years old, she convinced my dad to go and take lessons. And um, Judy Duke had started coming, who's another kind of renowned. She's um, an icon. Hall- yeah, icon yeah. is excellent. And she's another one that's had a pretty profound impact in my life. But she started teaching lessons in our hometown randomly. Um and so my mom and dad went and started taking from from her. And I I just went and kind of tagged along. They didn't want to get a babysitter. My brother didn't want me to have to stay at the house with him because, you know, that was he was not that was the uncool thing to do to take care of your baby <laughs> sister. So I just started going along and I was taking tap ballet jazz. Um, and so I would just kind of take something to do and kind of sit and watch. And I was fascinated because I was interested in dancing and And so my mom and dad had been taking for about two months. And I remember one night they were practicing in our kitchen 
and they were kind of arguing about the pivot and <laughs> which is, you know, similar to the, the whip in West Coast Swing. And right. I was at the kitchen table um, doing my homework and I just kind of looked up and looked over and I was like, well, actually, you're both wrong. <laughs> and so then they kind of stopped and looked at me like, what are you talking about? And so I got up and I showed that both of them were wrong and I, I <laughs> was able to do the pivot on the male foot and the female foot. And I was able to tell them what they were doing wrong. And so my parents were fascinated because they had no idea that I'd been going to class and kind of picking up everything and not really showing them or talking about it or anything. And so um, the next night when we went to dance class, they made me dance with my dad in front of Judy. And Mm -hmm. Judy was like, you know, as long as I continue to come and teach, she will take for free as long as she wants. And so Judy basically, along with my mom, kind of taught me really everything that I know. I mean, you so know, Judy I, was basically your mentor. She was for sure um, for a very long time, and then she's kind of what opened up our eyes to there was this whole junior shag community that we didn't know about that had had kind of had a rebirth, so to speak, in the early nineties. You know, in the 80s, it was kind of strong and then it kind of died down. If you go back and look at the history of the National Shag Dance Championships, they actually didn't have a lot of junior contestants at one point. And I think they actually didn't have the Junior Shag 1 division, for a year. Um, which is similar to the Young America division, for a couple of years because there was just no community to, to do that. And so there was like this rebirth of our Junior Shag community. And so she convinced us to go to High Point, North Carolina, where this Junior Shag competition was one weekend. Um, it was in 1991, and that's actually where I met. That's where I met Michael. And then... August 12th, 1991. <laughs> 8.30. <laughs> 8.30? 8.30, yes. I thought I was the best thing ever. Um, but I kind of started a lot like Leanne, too. Um, my whole family, we'd, you know, at Christmas, we'd all dance in the kitchen and it's just what you did as a family. Like my grandparents took shag class. My mom and dad took shag class when I was, you know, when she was pregnant with me. My aunt and uncle um, were competitive dancers. Um, so we would go and watch them some. Um, my first con two contests, I danced with my cousin Nikki and I danced against my cousin Wade. So it's just a family affair. I mean, you go to weddings and everybody there is doing shag. It's not necessarily, it looks a little different. You know, it's a little more sloppy kind of, I don't want to say college shag is what they kind of call it, but it's kind of, it is. it's like a college. You just kind of, it's more street. It's, it's more street. Yeah. Street, yeah, yeah. Very street. And, but it would, you go to any dance and that's, that's what they, you know, any, any kind of event or wedding or festival, they were doing it. So it's just a big family thing. We all went together. Then, you know, over time I was taking dance classes uh, with my cousin, um, started enjoying it, thought I was really great. And I was really horrible. And we went to a contest with my cousin at, at the jukebox in High Point, North Carolina. And that was the first time I'd ever really seen anybody out of my like local little club um, dance. And that's where, that's the day I met Jennifer Beaver or Jennifer Saluzzo. Brent Key. Brent Key, William. Jeff Burdick. Jeff Burdick, Burdick. Yeah, Sam, Sarah, all these people now that are still in our lives. So, I mean, that's where I met Leanne that night. I had met Leanne's parents the weekend before at some little local shag festival. They had come down and they're like, I had this little girl that she's, I think, 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 11. She's really good. We want you to meet her. We're going to be at the contest next weekend. So her parents were kind of trying to arrange it, the whole thing. 
Well, then I get there and she's dancing with this other little kid. Were you jealous? I was very jealous. And <laughs> he was. I was horrible. I was bad. He was more advanced than you, Liz. Yeah, he was. He was better. He was the better Mike, choice. <laughs> Michael had not been had not been dancing very long when I met him in '91, and I had been dancing for a couple of years at that point. Yeah. So, and we have a video. It's kind of funny of us dancing for the first time. You know, my dad had, the, or it was my dad or your dad had my the big dad. had the big camcorder on their shoulder. You know, record. You know, the big old recorder. With the VHS tape. The in VHS it. tape. <laughs> I would like pull her into a pivot or something, and. I'd get her into like closed position and the whole time she's like shaking her head. You know, she was this little bratty kid and I was bad. But anyway, that's where I met her. It's funny about 20 of the people, the kids I met then we still see and keep in touch with today. Cause right. like I said, that whole little group just kind of came up together and has stayed together. Kind of stayed, yeah. And actually honestly kind of helped carry the dance into the next really two decades. Right. And those are important. I mean, those people that were there are important. I mean, you look at Sam and Sarah. Sam's kids both compete. Sam's kid just won juniors. I mean, it's, yep. you know, you look at Sarah's kids. I mean, they're placing in the top two or three. Now Judy, Judy Duke's, Duke's grandson. grandson right? I mean, Jackson. in second place. Yeah, first and second place <laughs> Grand Nationals was Jackson, and then Lizzie got second. He just won the Nationals. I mean, so all those people that were in that room have kind of we've grown It's a family up. affair. It really, it, is really a, is. it really is. I mean, I remember when when Jackson was born. I mean, you know, just kind of. I remember because of Judy. I remember when her two daughters, Jackson's mother, right, had right. a double wedding. I remember being a kid and thinking I'd never heard of anyone having a double wedding. Right. And now all of Judy's grandchildren dance and are compete amazing. and are amazing. Except yes. the one grandson. Um, but he still comes. He just doesn't compete, you know, and that kind of thing. So yeah, you're you're right. It's it's definitely a family affair. But and still to this day, like you know, our parents come to our event. We go to the beach. We're listening on the beach with her parents. We're listening to shag music. We're I mean, it's it's just. I mean, it's you, also important to understand that you guys have a, another community, the you know SOS Society of Stranders, where you guys get together. I don't know, is it three times a year? This fall SOS, spring, and then there's midwinter mid and then there's DJ Throwdown and. And the only reason I know this is because I kind of grew up with you guys, too. Yeah. Like I'm part, I'm part of two communities, West Coast and Shag. I'm one of the only West Coast swing dancers that kind of goes in both. And it's it's important to understand that you guys, you don't just get together, you know, for like competitions throughout the week, the you know, at, at like Grand Nationals. But you have these social things that you do throughout the year. Right. For adults and children. You have Junior SOS for kids and and then the adult SOS for adults. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a little different than what we do. And we're, I think what helps that a little bit too, is we're all in a somewhat close area. Like, right. I mean, we live, Garrett Humphrey is one of our best friends who is Leanne's college roommate. We've known 20 years. We'll be at his house tomorrow. Jessica will have dinner with her tomorrow night. I mean, it's, right. we're all within this small community. So we're able to see each other in a lot more often, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, on a social level and on, obviously when we go dancing. So yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. I know, you should move out here. <laughs> it's, hot, it's, hot. it's real hot right now, but <laughs> we don't have that. Um, I mean, with rare exception, we don't really have that intergenerational feeling in our West coast swing community. Um, and, and in that regard, that whole family affair thing for shag, um, is a very different feeling, but it's also creating a different, kind of environment for juniors than we have in our West Coast swing world. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what it's like to come up as a junior and what the community as a whole kind of does to create a space that's welcoming and appropriate for juniors. Right. And as you know, what you know about Shag, you know, I, and I always say this and people kind of laugh. We grew up in bars. I mean, right. I went to the first bar at the age of 11. That's why I met Leanne at a bar at the age of 11. And there were 100 kids there. But also, isn't it important to understand that the bars that you went to were kind of like private clubs? Yes. They were private clubs. It's different. It's not actually a bar. We were we were taught that it was a privilege to be there. Right. And in order to be there and to kind of have access and, and be able to continue to come back, that there were certain there were a couple of things we needed to understand. You know, one, we we had to be, we had to learn how to behave. We we had to learn how to to do what we were supposed to do. You know, we act um, like an adult. Act like an adult, and that forced me to learn how to communicate with adults at a very young age. Um, you know, I can remember having kind of very in depth conversations when I, you know, when I was just in in middle school with right. with people who were much older than myself and. I'm so grateful and thankful for that. You know, we were we were taught to respect our past and re- respect the people that came before us and laid the foundation because those were also the same people that were fighting for us to be in these, you know, in these places, learning in these the private day. clubs with us, alcohol and stuff like exactly. that. Right, carrying on the tradition and and you know there were a couple of couple of clubs that would allow us to be in there until a certain time. Right. And although we didn't like it, we respected it. And when it was time for us to go, we would go, you know, and it was the same. And this is kind of how Junior SOS was created as well was, you know, SOS is for dancers 21 years and older. And, uh-huh. you know, you didn't dare come to you didn't dare come to SOS if you were under 21. Except you and, guys snuck in all the time. I was well, <laughs> Well, yeah. When we when we got when we got closer to that, when we closed yes. that gap, yeah, of, totally. Of yeah. But that was how Junior SOS became a part. That that's how it became a thing is right. because a couple of juniors kind of went to our association and said, you know, we want we want something like this. We want to be able to have kind of something similar to this. And and Just for us. Yeah, absolutely. And thankfully, our community or association of beach shag clubs kind of said, well, you know, if you will, if you will kind of stay away and abide by the rules of adult SOS, then we will kind of assist you and help give you the opportunity to have your own community in this way. And so, you know, years ago, um, that's kind of how junior SOS kind of first started. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing too, I remember being in the club at, like I said, at the age of 11, 12, 13 and on up. And even now, I mean, all these, every person in there, my mom was always there. She never, they never dropped us off. Of course. Yeah. We were never, it was never a babysitting thing. You know, we yeah, came, your parents were there with you. Yeah. Our they parents were dancing. Were there with we us, were dancing. And, and not only that, all of our friends were in there with us, which meant their parents were there. Right. And so, not only did we have two eyes, you know, or, or I guess two sets of eyes, four eyes looking at us, but we had everyone else's parents. Everybody in there was our mother and father. Well. Like, if right, we did something- at, at no point were, were you there without your parents where other parents were watching you. And we weren't sitting in the corner. We were acting like everyone else. We were acting like adults. We were there to we dance. Weren't, yeah, yeah, we weren't running around. We weren't, we weren't, you know, there was something to be said about not getting out on the floor and kind of, 
hogging the floor and taking up all this space on the floor when there were all these other adults there dancing and and drinking and having a good time. We were we were kind of taught to fit in to fit than. in, so to speak. And so when you're a kid, in order to dance, if that's what you have to do, that's what you have, that's what you learn to do. Right. And and so that was just kind of part of what we did. That was part of the dance. It was part of the culture. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, you know, when, when we talk about West Coast Swing, when I think about, so I've been thinking about this a lot, especially after listening to Jordan and Tot's um, podcast that you guys did with them. You know, we met them at a time where we were, we were juniors. And, and I, they were too. They right. were too. And there was right. like a rebirth of junior swing at the same time as yes. well. Yep. And, and so we got to kind of experience that. And that was really our first introduction to swing that, that we experienced all of that together. Mm-hmm. You know, they would come out to junior SOS and mm-hmm. we would go to the open and, um, NADC, I remember being yes. one of my favorite swing events still to this day. So um, Michael hated me at NADC. <laughs> Do you remember Michael? Everything. Swing fling. <laughs> well, swing fling, NADC, Liberty <laughs> Swing, the U.S. Open. You know, those were, there were far less events. So those yes. were the times we really got to kind of see everyone, hang out. Um, and then, you know, some of the juniors would come to Junior, S- junior SOS. And right. so... I don't know. It was just a great time to to be brought up in both communities. Honestly, I think. And if you look at it, I mean, look at Kyle and Sarah, Jordan and Todd, all that the ones that were like officially juniors back then, they're all still around. Parker and Jess. Parker and Jessica. Same thing in our shag community. Sam and Sarah, Jessica, Brent. I mean, all, you know, you Taylor. Taylor. They're all yeah. They're all in. You know, they're all still around now. Um, so there was something. There was something about that special time. <laughs> Piper and sorry. Stella. Stella saw a bird out the window. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> before we talk about your foray into West Coast Swing, um, we heard how you met, but how did you two become partners? Because when you met, Leanne, you were like out dancing him at the time. So how did you two become <laughs> dance partners? So it's it's funny. We actually, so my partner at the time was Bucky Dudley and Michael um, started dancing with um, a girl from around where he lived. Um, her name was Jan Walters. And we actually competed against each other for two years. Mm. And it just so happened that we were in the junior one division again, which is equivalent to kind of like the young America division. And Jan and Bucky were actually um, aging out. And yeah, there was no, there still is no petition to this day in our community. Unlike, unlike West coast swing. So there was no petition for us to petition to dance up. Like it was a hard set kind of age limit. So when you aged out, you aged out and um, you had to come up with a new plan. And so I can remember the last competition. um, I believe it was actually nationals in um, 1994. Um, He knows, he knows this is coming. Michael and Janet actually just beat Bucky and I, it's kind of a sore subject because um, Bucky and I always beat <laughs> Michael and Jan, except really the two major comp- the, the major competition that counted, except at the National Shag Dance Championships. They beat us both years. Oh, Again, still a sore, sore subject. Sore subject. Sore <laughs> subject. Let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it's a joke or or whatever. But anyway, we can laugh about it now. But um, 
the the week after we competed that last year, um, Bucky kind of made it known to me that he would likely not only was he aging out, but he would likely no longer be competing. He was um, a very talented golfer, and he was going to be pursuing you know his kind of golf aspirations. And so, um, I had to pick up the phone and call Michael and ask him if he would be my dance partner. Oh. Um, so yeah, so I had to Michael eat. Michael must have loved that. I had that. to eat crow a little bit. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. It took, <laughs> her, it took her three years to come around, but you know. And so um, I guess the rest is history. From that standpoint, we yeah. we kind of never looked back. I think we actually met up to practice that next weekend. Mm-hmm. Our parents would meet like a little Hardy's hamburger place, like halfway between us, and drop us off. And I'd go to her house for the weekend and. We'd practice all weekend, and the next weekend, her our parents would meet. My grandparents would drive. Her parents would drive. We'd meet at the Hardys, and they, she'd go to my house for the weekend. And we would just sit and watch videos all weekend and dance, and and you know, just kind of what you did. What happened to the partner you were dancing with, Michael? You know, she actually still lives in my hometown, and I see her about once every couple of years. Obviously, I keep up with her on Facebook. Um, she doesn't really dance much anymore. I mean, she does locally some, I think. But um, once she kind of, she was, I think, went into high school, I guess that's mm-hmm. So she, when she went into she high school. She was involved in sports. And yeah, so she kind of, not that she lost interest. She just had other things that kind of took up her time. So it just kind of worked out. Right. You know, we were, and me and Leanne were a little obsessive. I mean, to the normal average. Just <laughs> I think, I think I think people who get hooked on uh, you know dance get become like that. I mean, yeah. every time we talk to people who have first got into West Coast swing, it was the same thing for them. Like they first get into it and they become obsessed with it. I mean, I was like that too yeah. when I first came into West Coast, and then I got like that when I found Shag. I was obsessed yeah. um, with it. So I, I totally get it. So yeah. Michael, you know, in um, in 1998, you partnered with Ginger Pickerel to compete at the U.S. Open in the Classic Division. Um, while also competing the shag division with Leanne. How did your partnership with Ginger come about, and what was it like to compete in the classic division at that time and come in fourth place? Um, I remember I, I danced with actually Debbie Ramsey. Sorry. Um, I danced with Debbie Ramsey. I started taking her local shag classes because she had just moved to Raleigh, um, to the East Coast. I think her and her husband moved. And right. so me and her decided to do it. I think we actually danced at the Open in 97. That's true. Yeah, and we made the cut, so that was kind of cool. And I, that's where I met Ginger, and we wanted to do something. You know, I met Ginger, and we started dancing together a lot. And um, Debbie was just – she was just starting her family out, so me and her stopped dancing together. And me and Ginger, you know, at the time, it was like, how do I dance with somebody from – I think she was living in Denver, actually, at the time. I was like, how do I dance with somebody from Denver? I don't even know. I've only been on a flight, like, twice. You know, how do I <laughs> – this happened. So me and her worked it out and decided to get together one weekend and make up a routine – um, and then we're like, we're going to the open, you know, and I think our team went that year and well, you moved to California. I moved, well, that, that was after we, our second year, but we, um, anyway, so we decided to dance together. Um, cause you know, she had a lot more footwork in her dancing and everything. So it just kind of worked together. Um, and I remember dancing in the U S open that year. It was like the first time I ever felt like I really performed a dance or a routine other than just getting out there and dancing. And it, it was pretty amazing, the feeling. And then I think we made the cut. Or did we have a cut that year? I can't remember. But we ended up getting fourth, which was, I think, Robert and Lorene were third or something. Uh-huh. And we were like, holy cow. I mean, to us, we won, we just, we won the whole thing. <laughs> that was 
that was that was just amazing. And then the whole weekend, and then our team did good, and then Leanne and I did. It was just one of those weekends that just kind of, looking back, were pretty pretty important. I mean, I remember one big change that I feel like is a little different than now. Although it's been years since I've been to floor trials, but do you remember how floor trials were such a big deal, Deborah? Like, At the you, open, yes. I don't know if it's still that way. I don't. I don't. I haven't been to floor trials in a long time. But I remember that being a, some that was new to us in the shag world. We didn't. You didn't do floor. We trials. didn't do floor <laughs> trials. You know that was right. that was you know the thought of getting up at six a.m. and going and practicing and running right. a routine. It was I crazy. Mean, that was like that unheard was just of. unheard yeah. of. You know, and I remember that being like a big thing that that you talked about, about how intimidating it was and. How nervous you got. I was probably more nervous for floor trials than I was for, for the actual division. Just because all my all these people, Robert and Lorene, Charlie and yeah, all these people I'm looking up to, up to yeah. are sitting there staring at me, waiting their turn. And they're not that they're judging me, but oh my God. But they are. They are <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I love going to floor trials too. You know, I got to see them perform, which was kind of cool, or practice or whatever. So um that was always that was really the first year I think I ever really did a floor trial and like I actually felt like I was a part of it and could, I, I didn't think I could compete, but I was able to compete and actually do well. And to get fourth was like winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in 98, right? 97? Yes. And, and then that's when our partnership, we're like, okay, well, maybe we have something here. We need to keep practicing. And then, you know, the, the following summer, the following year, we danced at Grand Nationals and got second um, behind some couple like Robert and Deborah, I think is who it was. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> doing chains and that's sick and tired. So there again, we got second at Grand Nationals, which was amazing to perform it there in our community, and and then to place in the top two behind y'all was just we won as far as we were concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I decided to move to California to get ready for the Open in '99. Um, and I just remember some of the best news we ever heard, still to this day, was when Robert and Deborah told us they were going to do Showcase that year. Because <laughs> we were out of your division. Yeah. I called my mom and I'm like, you'll never guess what Robert and Deborah are doing. They're doing showcase. Hallelujah. So that was that was so exciting. But that year I came out there and that's when we practiced with you guys. And right. that was probably the first time I ever put the effort into a routine to really like critique it and polish it and tighten it and look at every aspect of it. And and of course Robert and Deborah were and he actually smiled and had facial expressions. I had facial expressions. My hands <laughs> Look he didn't look at his feet. No, nope, because Deborah would have killed me. She wanted me to have my head up, my arms out, my. So that that really helped because we practiced with you guys, you know, kind of going up to that. So that was pretty awesome. It was. I remember being devastated when he told me he was moving to California. Well, he wasn't moving there for good. It was just a practice for the open. But you know what? I thought he was. I thought he was going to move out there and and make like this full west full time west swing dancer, and I would never see him again. Never, never. Again. But that was, you know, that was my. 16, 17 year old immature brain talking. <laughs> How did you two become romantically involved? Was that instant or over time? Well, for, <laughs> I was in love in 1991 on August 12th. <laughs> At 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m. Right. Uh, and I always, I remember telling my little best friend at the time, oh yeah, we're going to get married. We're going to, yeah. Well, it didn't happen for a while. And, and I think it kind of worked out good because, you know, she danced with other people and we danced together for 10 years. No, almost 10 years. And we both dated other people. And right. Didn't it, you date Jessica Cox? 
I did. I did. Right. Um, and Anne had a serious boyfriend. I mean, she had several boyfriends, you know, throughout the time or whatever, but she had a serious boyfriend. I was dating Jessica. I moved to California. And then it was in 2000. I, it was kind of after that, you know, after I got back from the open that year, me and Ginger won that when I came back from California from making it big, you know, um, coming back home and that's when we kind of started dating and, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> sure. For yeah. sure. No, I think, I think for me, um, you know, I was in college. I, I did have a serious boyfriend. We broke up. Um, it was kind of a surprise. It came out of the blue. And I, I think my, you know, my, my go-to was always Michael. Like my home base was, mm-hmm. was always Michael. and everyone that I'd ever dated, although I was still, I mean, I was still young, but there was always this question of, but what about Michael? You know, and as probably both of you know, anytime you bring someone into the dance community, they they think they know and they think they understand, but they really don't. It's it's really hard. It's hard to do that. Mm -hmm. It's very hard, and it's very hard to maintain a relationship. And props to the people who can do that. But I don't think either one of us were ever really successful at that. And and you know, it just came to the realization for me that one day I'm like, you know what? I'm so stupid. Everything that I've ever wanted and that I'm looking for has been kind of on, on, on the end of my hand, my right hand for, you know, over yeah, your dance partner. Right. Right. But I knew that he was my best friend. So I knew that if, if it was going to happen, because we had never crossed any line, we were strictly, although a lot of people thought we did because, you know, we, we were so close and mm-hmm. uh, we would hold hands occasionally, like when we went somewhere, but like we, we just never crossed that line. So I knew that, at any point, if that were to happen, there was no going back. And so I, I had to make sure that I was, it was the right time and, and that I was ready to commit and go forward because otherwise I knew I would lose him and I would lose, you know, my best friend forever because I knew he would, he would never forgive me, you know? Right. So did you talk about it? How did you cross that line then? Like you guys were friends. Somebody asked somebody else. We did talk. I, I can remember having the conversation with my mom first and kind of telling my mom how I was feeling. And I remember her telling me that she felt like I had, I was kind of moving in that direction for a while, but that she could tell I'd been struggling with kind of crossing that line. And that, that again, I, I needed to really sit and think about before I kind of verbally expressed that this was what I wanted because she knew she knew that he had made that comment to his friend and his mom in 1991. I feel right. like a lot of us knew that it was going to go that way. We were just waiting for you guys, honestly, because <laughs> I remember yeah. when when you guys first said, "Oh yeah, we're dating." I was like, "Oh God, finally!" <laughs> Jesus. Now we can talk about. Well, you know what's funny? Once we did kind of start dating or whatever. You know, to start with, we didn't really tell a lot of people or whatever, but it was almost like it was really nothing. Not that it wasn't anything new, but it was just, it, it was, was just normal. It was right. expected normal and the right thing to do. And Well, and we did keep it secret for a while. And that unfortunately did have some consequences with some of our best friends um, for, a, for a little bit. They were kind of upset that. You didn't inform them soon enough. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. you know. We were just trying to make sure that like it was going to work because what right. if it, work, you know, and then it makes it weird for everyone. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we, we didn't want to go broadcasting to the world that like we were this couple. And then two weeks later, we're like, mm, yep, that 
that that didn't work. That went south. Yeah, because I, I feel like, you know, people need to recognize that n- not only when you're a dance partnership, but now you're a dance partnership and you're a romantic couple. People are very attached to you as a dance partnership. And now you become a romantic couple and they're even more connected to you. And if that goes awry, then they're worried about, well, is the dance partnership going to go awry too? You know, we have all these people that like, they, they feel like they're a part of your relationship. Right. Yeah. So you have to be really sure, you know, of what you're going to do. So I I think you did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we, I don't think we regret it. You know, I think that once, and it, it, it was to have, still two of the most important people in my life, um, Jessica McElhaney and Garrett Humphreys, once right. they really understood why we did what we did, they were accepting of it. Um, so anyway. The rest is history. The rest is yeah. history. <laughs> so, so Leanne, uh, what was it like? Because now, now we've talked about you guys getting together as a partnership and, you know, and also as a partnership romantically, shag dancers, but then you go to the U.S. Open, right? And you compete in the shag division, for the first time and you win. What was it like for you to win the first time? And it was the first time the U S open actually had a shag division. Right. I remember it. Yes. I remember thinking like, what, what just happened? You know, I, I remember, I remember going and kind of being caught off guard, um, with the competition itself. Mm hmm. I'll be honest with you. The first time I went, I didn't love it. I'll be completely honest. I didn't love the open. It was so different than the other events that I'd been to like grand nationals, like NADC, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, everyone was so serious and, you know, I felt like, um, here was this group of shaggers coming in and we were, you know, we, we were kind of loud and sometimes a little bit obnoxious when it came to, you know, clapping and cheering for people and, um, you know, I didn't understand the, the, that people kind of, you know, reserved their seats a year in advance and they didn't want you sitting on the floor in front of them. And they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, want you being overly loud, you know, standing behind them. And, mm-hmm. and, and so like, it was a unique experience. I feel like the first time I went and then the more I started thinking about it, I'm like, you know, this is very much equivalent to our nationals, you right. know, if swing dancers were to come to our national shag dance championships, they would probably feel the very same way. It's, it's not really a party. It's, you know, people are very stressed. People go to bed early. People are practicing all the time. It's, you know, you kind of have one goal in mind. Um, so I, I think I was a little bit caught off guard by like the, just the competition itself and kind of having a true understanding of what it was and how it paralleled kind of in our community but I do remember thinking like, because I had watched so many videotapes that, that it was like, oh, wow, this, this is like kind of a big deal, you know? Um, I remember wishing that more people would come and watch the Shag Division. And that still kind of is, if this is the naked truth, right? So we're, yep. we're honest. <laughs> Don't um, say it. That, that still is kind of a wish for mine, you know, a lot of we find this even at our own event that, you know, I, I think that shag dancers tend to show up and watch a lot of the West coast swing divisions, routine divisions, regardless of kind of what division it is. And you find that during the shag divisions, it tends to be mostly people from our community and it hasn't always, hasn't always been that way. Um, 
But I do remember, you know, because of scheduling and things like that, you know, the shag divisions, the Lindy divisions, et cetera, were always kind of placed in these kind of inopportune times where not many people are in the ballroom. Um, mm-hmm. and so I remember, I remember dancing and thinking no one really clapped the people that were there. No one really clapped. And I was later told that, well, they don't really have an under, you know, an appreciation or an understanding of what they're seeing or what they're watching. There was no, yeah, there's no hits. I mean, there's, it's I mean, like understand it enough to know when. And, and you have to remember like the West coast swing dance community was still, being exp- like Charlie and Jackie were the first people to expose shag to the West coast swing dancers. And you guys were on the tail end of that. And it was still tr- like shag was still trying to pick up momentum. Right. The swing dance. Like I said, there weren't a lot of swing dancers that were involved in the shag community, like myself and Robert and Festa and Lindo who really like love the shag dancing. So, right. and, and now everyone loves shag. Well, I, re- I remember just walking like, finishing our dance and walking off and bowing, you know, that was never a thing shag, shag dancers did. I remember us all going out there and everyone being like, don't forget to bow at the end. And you then know? Kenny would call you back and he'd say, don't, you know, come back out and bow again. We had to bow twice. We're like, I've never bowed in my life. What am I supposed to do? You know? uh, <laughs> so that was, that was, that was, but that you kind of walked off thinking. So funny. What, you know, I can't, I, I don't, I don't know what we just did because based off of what I'm hearing in the ballroom, are they, are they sitting there thinking like, what did, what did we just see? Are they scratching their head? Are they, are they are so like amazed by the footwork that they kind of, you know, are, are speechless or, or don't know when to clap or when it's appropriate to clap or what they should clap for. You know, I just remember being very confused about it all until, you know, we were kind of in the community and around the community a little longer. Um, and then I feel like people had a better appreciation. You know, again, it was all pre-YouTube days. So the only time people really got to see Shag was, you know, when we went to competitions that we were fortunate enough to have divisions that we could compete in. Other than people like Brent or, you know, Michael or, you know, Charlie and Jackie, when they would kind of pop into some of the other swing events. Yeah. Well, and before you, there was Charlie and Jackie and Sam and Lisa, right? Sam and Lisa were, I think you guys placed second a couple of times and Sam and Lisa were placing first. So mm-hmm. I, I guess there were some people who were sort of laying that foundation um, and building momentum for Shag. But you both have been members of the National Shag Dance team. And that seems to win pretty much every time they put a routine out on the floor <laughs> at the open. Yeah, I mean, amazing routines. And really good choreography is really clean performances. And I'm wondering how the team does that. How is the team so successful? How do you put together such great routines and such great performances time after time after time? Um, I remember the first year we did the team, um, the night, it was a night, obviously you had to, I think you had to place in the top so many at like the night. Five or something yeah. To, and then to you even would, be considered to be considered. And then they, Charlie and Jackie choreographed it the first couple of years. And then, it kind of got passed on to me and Sam and you and like a group of us started doing it. And that's when we started competing. Um, and it was funny because I guess cause shag is so much tighter and, and, and stays really still and doesn't move a lot. It felt easy to, I think that's what helps it. Maybe I guess appear cleaner. Everything is tight. It's easier to be, keep everybody real tight than to have people moving a lot all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, 
And it was cool because we got to like experiment with Shag and be a little, I don't want to say, well, a little flashy. I mean, not that we weren't, you know, Shag's not really that flashy, but to be able to do a team and hit a line and a, and actually choreograph something to the music that that was kind of we don't we don't we don't do routines so mm-hmm. the choreography part we all got to like use our brain to choreograph which we had never really done so it was almost like it was something brand new to us all and then the fact that we can move around oh my god we can move on the floor with you know change with formations yeah yeah we had never done anything like that ever you know and really never even seen it um the only team we'd ever really seen was that team usa with um Lance and Mario and Charlie and Jackie and yep. Jonathan and Sylvia and that. So we had all seen that. Um, so we knew what it was and and we started choreographing it, really doing it for competitions. It's like it just, it was just something new and exciting for all of us. So, and we were, I mean, we would work. And one thing too, we always practiced in, I always say bars. I hate to say the word bars, but we always practiced on small dance floors. So everything we did was tight and small and we just had to get out there and do it on the big floor, but tight and small. So if this was something that you guys weren't used to, obviously, because it wasn't part of your culture, who ca- how did the National Shag Team come about and, and whose idea was it and, and what made it happen? So I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Barry Thigpen's idea, and, and I'm not sure if Charlie and Jackie were kind of in and on that as well. But the whole kind of mission, vision behind the National Shag Dance Team was to create a team to promote Carolina Shag. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it turned in and morphed into something, I think, way bigger than what Barry ever imagined. So Barry Thigpen is, um, you know, the the owner and the event director of the National Shag Dance Championships and has been. He was in he was kind of the featured announcer in the movie Shag, if you've ever seen the movie Shag. Um, and so that's kind of where he gets his his fame from, I think. But. You know, I can remember being, I wasn't on the very first team because Michael and Jan, again, beat us. And so they got asked to be on the very first team. And so, so, you sound a little bitter, Leanne. I mean, it's, only been, it's only been 30 years, but you know. Instead of Bucky and I, but I remember it being a big deal in the Shag community that there was this team and they were, you know, had this choreographer team, which we did not have. And it was hitting breaks and. You know, they were wearing costumes and now we're talking about raising money so that they could travel and go to these other dance events that had team competitions. And then it became this big deal every year where you you only you own it for one year, you were on it for one year and you were never promised a second year. But you were guaranteed to be in consideration if you placed in the top five in your division. And so um, between Barry Thigpen and the board that helped hold the National Shag Dance Championships, they were the ones that voted on who would be on the team, you know, and then we raised money all year to kind of help support our travels and et cetera. I just remember the team being one of the like best memorable dance experiences of my life. I, I truly feel like, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what is your dance style of choice. I think being on a team makes you better individually as a dancer. I think you learn so many true fundamental things about yourself, about, you know, about working with other people, um, about work ethic. Um, I think there's just so much dedication. I think there's just so much to learn being on a team. And so I think that it was instilled in us very early on. Um, I think 
you know, Michael and Sam kind of carried on that tradition after Charlie and Jackie kind of retired, you know, and then it was kind of passed down ultimately to, you know, Brenner. Right. Who, who then, you know, and, and Sam and Lisa, who still continue it kind of with, you know, the younger um, junior shag dancers and Brenner's kind of always kind of carried it on with the, with the junior two, so to speak, um, or the young adult equivalent division. But you just get instilled. You, we learn things by going to the open. Like we, we learn that we can't walk out there like we're going out there to social dance. Right. And actually, okay. actually hold that thought. It's funny. I, I love Kelly Casanova. Something else she told us 25 years ago, and I still remember it. We got second at NADC or somewhere. We we performed, and she judged, and we went over and asked her. And she told us the reason we didn't win is because we didn't walk out there as a team. We just kind of all walked out there and got in place and I started the music. And like once the music started, we were on the money. But right. getting out, we looked horrible. And here again, that's something that has – I mean, when you watch a shag team now walk out on the floor. They're like soldiers. That, that, they, I mean, they are soldiers and they're every town to their pinky to their mm-hmm. – every single thing is perfectly choreographed. So it's like that, that one comment from Kelly Casanova – so two comments from Kelly Casanova have changed me, which is good. You know, I listened and we took it. We took the advice, but she put us in second at that particular contest because we walked out there. We didn't look like a team. So when you watch a shag team, any of them, the kids all the way to the adults, when they walk out there, their walkout is perfect. Mm-hmm. And it came from that comment. So, but we didn't know that. We just, as far as we're concerned, we don't get any, they don't look at us until we start dancing. Right. But I- I bet if you were to ask, if you were to ask Brenner, you know, how have his teams been so successful? I think he learned all of those things from being on some right. of the teams right. that he right. then carried forward and is now, you know, taught this younger generation of dancers coming up. Um, right. We were successful, but, you know, there was, you know, the, um, I'm going to say their name wrong, Swing Hop. Hop, swing, Hop and a swing, and a jump. There was some brutal competition there for a couple of years. I mean, Yavall and Adley. They yeah, right. were serious competitors, um, and and it, you know, looking back when you when you, I think even Yavall to this day, if you were to go and ask him why they started a team, he will talk about how the national. He remembers watching the national shag dance team and watching how um, together we were, and you know how perfected we were. And he wanted to beat it. He told us that he wanted to beat it and he wanted to do it in white pants. Right. Yeah, well, there's, there's no, uh, no doubt that people know that whoever knows you all, he's very competitive. Absolutely. But yeah, he's super competitive. The only thing it did was it pushed, it pushed us for sure. To, because at the time we didn't have any competition really. I mean, mm-hmm. it pushed us to amp up our competition. And it was kind of cool. Choreography. It was kind of cool too. Cause it was a cool way to showcase shag. Not that shag is not exciting, but if you don't understand it, it was real cool to see 10 people doing yeah. this dance that you didn't understand. It just made it that more appealing. And that more, so it was a good showcase for our shag, like especially when we went to the Open and NADC and things like mm-hmm. that. It was a lot more exciting than just seeing one little couple do some tight footwork. You know, it was just cool to see 10 couples do tight footwork. And even, you know, so it was a good it was a good showcase for us as well, which is cool. And I also think too, like because the you know the Open had ha- now in, in the last you know ten years has had you know global dance TV, and now we have 
you know, YouTube and stuff like that. Shaq has gone overseas. You guys have been to Australia several times. And I know Brenner has gone overseas to other countries. So now Shaq is getting big, just like West Coast Swing is. So, And that's exciting for you guys, wouldn't you say? It is. You know, going to, we went to Australia for the first time three or four years ago. And, you know, you, you know, like, really, y'all want to see us dance or you want to learn our dance? It's just, it's just, it was just different. And I remember going like the first night, I mean, the excitement that they had for our yep. dance in the classes was just kind of unreal. It's something, you know, we kind of take it for granted around here a little bit and mm-hmm. you go there and they just can't get enough. Um, right. Which is really kind of cool. And um, France. And for, yeah, any, you know, I just remember, yeah, France and we went to Russia for uh, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. We couldn't speak the language, but you could just tell from their face. They absolutely loved it. Like yeah. just watching them. do. I mean, you know, here we are in Russia. I can't even communicate with this person, but I could do shag with them, which was just, just Dance amazing. is the universal language. One of them it, anyway, besides music. It, it really is, you yeah. know, so it really is awesome to go, you know, to travel. And, you know, I say this little dance, it's not a little dance, but something we grew up doing at a, at the recreation department, you know, is now taking us to Russia and Australia and New Zealand to teach. I mean, it's, and people love it. Which is I think wonderful. it's fantastic. You know, our, our, um, our listeners might not know that, you know, the two of you have careers outside of dance. And while you were both competing at the U S open and other events, you, Michael got a degree in business and you, Leanne earned a degree in pharmacy. And today you work in sales and as a professor of pharmacy, respectively, what has been your experience being successful dance professionals and having successful non-dance careers? Yeah. He's like, you take this one. Um, you know, I think I always, you know, people always ask, what, what is dance brought to your life? And I, and I always say two things. I, certainly the people. Right the closest people in my life and, and the people that I can't obviously live without are people that I met through dance. Right. Um, the second thing that it taught me through some of the experiences that we talked about was dedication and, and work ethic. And had I not kind of been ingrained in that as a kid through, through dance, I don't know that I would have made it through college. Um, you know, it taught me the experience of having a goal and doing whatever I needed to do to work hard, to, to make sacrifices, to, you know, to reach that goal. And, and I know without a doubt, there's no way I would have gotten through pharmacy school, you know, had I not had that experience and that ingrained in me since I was a kid. Um, the problem is that, you know, that meant that I had to make a lot of sacrifices and Michael had to make a lot of sacrifices. You know, we um, and we still see this today in our career. And I think sometimes we're I don't want to say penalized. I don't know that that's the right word, but, um, you know, people often ask, well, you don't come around as much as you did. You know, you used to you used to be at all the dance, you know, all the shag events and then you you know, you were more visible in, in the swing world and, you know, but it's, it's hard to do both. It's hard to, it's hard to maintain a job and feel like you're being successful in the job that for us pays our bills Mm -hmm. and also hard to kind of compete at a very high level, um, to do what, to have the energy and and the time to do what you both want to do to compete at a high level. Um, it's hard. 
it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And so um, we somewhere have to kind of find the balance in all of that. You know, we can't go to every dance event that's, that's at the beach in our dance community. Um, because, you know, maybe I'm on a deadline for a paper or he's got a big client that has, you know, this marketing campaign that he's trying to finish. Um, you know, or I'm preparing for lecture on Monday or, or what have you. So, you know, we've had to make, we've had to make sacrifices, but I, but I think that we found, I think for us kind of like a happy medium that works. The balance. Um, Yeah, we've definitely found a balance. Um, and some people don't understand that, you know, and some people will never understand that. Which and, I think is interesting because I feel like part of the shag community, they're, um, they're proponents of you will learn shag, you will love shag, but you will go to college and then come back to shag. Well, and that is true. I will say, you know, there's a couple of things that, you know, I've talked about Jackie McGee, um, again, having these conversations when I was in middle school, in my teens having conversation, you know, really in-depth conversations, adult conversations um, with Jackie McGee. That was one of the things that she taught me, you know, right in the middle, the thick of when Michael and I were kind of winning a lot of competitions. We were on the top of our game right before we went off to college. I remember two things. I remember her telling me the first time that we won um, the overall and now we're the second junior couple. Judy Duke's grandson actually did it this past year. Right. Um, we were the second junior couple to win the overall division to beat out the adult couples. I remember her telling me that Sunday after we won that I didn't know it yet, but it was going to be one of the hardest years of my life and that it was the lonely place up top. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what, what she Amen. meant, by that, but I quickly found out that, you know, when, when you're winning and you're on the top of your game, everyone is chasing you, right? Everyone is, is wanting to beat you. And you know, I feel like that probably parallels the same in the West Coast swing community. And so, you know, it's always going to take that much more to impress the same set of judges than it would someone else, you know? And I think Jordan Tatiana kind of talked a little bit about this as well. Um, and so, and, you know, I know it was similar for Sam and Sarah and it's similar, you know, now for, for Brenner and Autumn and, and those coming up behind them. So yes, we were told to go to college, um, that dance would be here. And, and again, that was the second thing that she told me, dance will be here, go to college, do your thing, come back. But it is hard to, it is hard to go to college, pursue that and then come back and be, and maintain the same level. Right. Thing that you're doing prior to change, um, your bodies change as you get older. Let's not talk uh, about that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> um, and and like anything else, when you've been doing something for so long as a kid, and you've been you've been you know kind of working towards something at a very high level. Michael and I put a lot of time into. And a lot of people didn't realize that, but we were kind of one of those hideaway people too, like Jordan and Todd, where we, you know, we didn't practice with other people. We, you know, for a dance event in March, that was really like three Saturday, you know, think about having the national shag dance championship is three nights and all three nights count the same. 
Mm-hmm. So imagine doing three classic routines that have to be on top of their game all three nights. That mm-hmm. That's kind of what our competition is. You know, we would start practicing like in November or December. For March, yeah. For March. and But when I say that, we were kids. So right. we had school activities, we had college activities, but we would go back to our hometown and we would practice 12 hours a day you know, um, Saturday, Sunday, and if it was a long weekend, like a Monday too, and we would do that for like four months. And so now that we have degrees, I guess I digress a little bit, but now that, you know, now that we have jobs and things like that, we don't, now it takes that much more to kind of be back to where we were, you know, and we just don't have the time to do that anymore because of all of these other outside, doesn't mean that we don't love it any less. We do. Of course Um, but, you know, now we have all of these other kind of outside responsibilities that, you know, take up a lot of our time. So we hope to come back to it one day. Yeah, one day. One day. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's been, it's been hard juggling all of that. I think but, it's just finding a balance. But one thing, like, like she was talking about, the hard work, like, I mean, two things. Like, I was able to communicate with people. When I went off to college, I was able, able to communicate. When I went to a job interview, I was able to communicate because – I had been talking, right. I've been talking to people at the age of six to 80, you know, right. so that, that was easy. And that was easy. So, and then the hard work, I mean, if, we, if we're going to do something or if you're up for a new job or if there's a project, the harder you work, usually it pays off. And that was something that just kind of, and that, that came from like watching Charlie and Jackie compete. I mean, you know, Charlie and Jackie, when they competed, they were going to win, okay. but they had been practicing for months and months and months. They so, made it look so easy. But there was a lot of hard work and dedication and effort and time, hours spent into that one dance or three dances or whatever. Right. And I think that's what helped, you know, in careers and to be successful in careers and successful, you know, dancing. Um, the harder you work, you know, it's going to pay off. And it did for us. I mean, even in our careers, or, you know, you work hard, you go to school, you get your education and you go for it. Right. So, did you ever consider making dance a full time career? Or was that just not in the plans? When I moved, when I moved to California, I was I was hitting the road. I was I was hitting the road. I was going to teach dance forever. Um, I did find myself at times, and I loved it for a while. And I helped put myself through college. I, I was very fortunate to graduate with no no college debt, which was wonderful. Um, but it was I was teaching dance class to pay to pay for my car payment to pay my rent, and my family would help me as much as they could. But I was still, you know, I was still traveling some. Everything I did, I had to had to work for it, which is, that's a concept too, you know, just to work hard so you can put yourself through school and that kind of thing. But I remember there was a couple of times when I was teaching them, Oh my God, I got to have at least 40 people tonight or I can't. And yeah, there was a couple yeah. of times I remember in college thinking, Oh my God, I can't pay my car payment this month. And it just got to where it was, stressful. it was stressful. And it was almost at moments. I don't want to say I, I enjoy teaching, love teaching. Um, but there were moments where it was not as fun when I was concerned about, I mean, it's all about money. I, I understand. Where the next check was coming from. Right. Oh my God, I got to have 40 people or I'm not going to, you know, and right. it, got, it was a little more difficult and not as fun. And I, I wanted something a little more, um, consistent, stable. you know, stable, but that, you know, it was, it was, it was a good schedule. I teach a couple nights a week and I, like I said, I enjoyed it. So that was, that was the hard part. So I enjoy it much more now when I don't have to do it to pay the bills than mm-hmm. I did when I had to do it so I could eat this week. And the, Oh my God, I wish I had four, you know, I need to have 40 people. That was during the dance Manhattan days, right? Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know. A person and not one over. If they left halfway through, you didn't get paid. You right. Know? <laughs> I mean, but that was the, that was the life. But that I was mean, the life. That, I mean, I was. You, you lived in New York. Taught at Dance Manhattan. As a teenager. Had a free place to stay. Yeah. Got to sleep in till. I didn't have to be at class until four. Got to sleep in till one or two o'clock. Had breakfast delivered. Would go out about his day, you know, do whatever, explore different parts of New York, teach some private lessons, teach three group classes, and go home. And it was, that was a great great. experience, though, to be in in New York yeah. as a great. Southern boy, especially. And that's a whole other thing too in my life now. I mean, in our both of our lives. I mean, I was I was living in New York at the age of eighteen. I mean. So it's like you were able to take care of yourself. You were, I mean, you know, it was just, you, you learned all kinds of things. You, you know, looking back, you didn't realize you were learning. I mean, I'd never, I'd been in New York once. No, I'd been in New York twice. And now I'm living in a condo by myself in Chelsea. Well, I have no idea what, where, what, what do I do? Like, you know, um, never taking the subway, you know, I don't know. I'll figure it out. So I think those things have helped, you know, and looking back, they were the, they were the days they were. Yeah, I remember them. How did you end up at Dance Manhattan? Um, I think through, I mean, I met Deborah and a bunch of different people, but like Teddy Kern, I'd met her at NADC, right. which was um, up, up in New York. And I and Charlie and J- I think Jackie had been up and taught for one month. And they had a condo. They always put, they bring an instructor in every month and you teach the, the West Coast Wing classes as well. Um I think I don't I don't know if anybody just didn't want to do it in the summertime, I guess, because it's hot as you know what, in the summertime in New right. York. And and I had seen her in April and they didn't have anybody for June. Mm-hmm. And I and I was like, I'd love to come do it. You know, they're not they're not going to let me come teach for a month. I don't even really know what I'm doing. And, <laughs> you know, and because it, it was going to be like basic West Coast swing classes. And I had only had like Debbie Ramsey's like couple of classes. So. Well, you, t- you took from her. Yeah, for I took from two her. Two or three years. To be able to teach it, I was kind of, you know, I was a little concerned, but hey, I'll, I'll figure it out. And she called me and said, yep, we the month of June is open. And so I graduated high school and went to New York for the summer and, you know, have my own condo. That's awesome. You know, well, Teddy was also a good judge of character as far as like who she would be, who she thought would be great. Right. Yeah. Know, Dance Manhattan is, you know, because I work there, you work there, Eric worked there. I mean, um, something else. I love she her. knew she saw talent and was like, like, you know, Teddy hired me without really knowing much about me because I was covering for someone else. Right. Um, and I went in for an interview. We, I swear we, we swapped five words and she was like, you're hired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. I know so, she hired, she hired me to come and I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my God, like what? Like what? she's crazy. I just remember being so excited because I was in pharmacy school and I would work, I mean, I would work overtime. I would work every day, like 12 hours a day, just so that I could save up enough money to go and fly out there and stay with him. And then I would stay, I'd buy a one-way ticket, and I would stay until I ran out of money. <laughs> then I would go home, you know, and I loved it because I got I got to, to hang out with Deborah. I got to hang out with Linda and Festa and, and um you know, all these people that, you know, that I looked up to and admired so much in the swing community. And then, then, you know, I'd run out of money and then I'd have to go home and then I'd go home and I worked some more. And then when I saved up enough money, then I'd buy another one-way ticket. And, um, so it was, it was was different times, you know, than it is, than it is now. It's so different. You just described everybody. Yeah, exactly. 
you know, but like back then, I mean, I looked for, I couldn't wait to get to dance class because I was so excited to teach it. And, and I still enjoyed teaching it, but it just, it, I guess, because it was all still new to me and it, the shag was new to a lot of the people I was teaching. So that was their excitement kind of rubbed off on me, which was kind of nice. Um, so, you know, I always thought that was what I was going to do. And I still enjoy teaching, but I enjoy it a lot more now when I don't have, when I don't have to have a certain amount of people to make it. Right. Sure. To pay the bills. No yeah. stress. We will continue this conversation in next week's episode, so stay tuned. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, you can post a comment on our website, you can respond to our posts on Facebook, or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email Deborah and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, follow us on Instagram at thenakedtruthwcs, and that's right, you can follow us on Twitter at Naked Truth WCS. Don't forget, you can buy some stylish swag at our online store. Just go to the Naked Truth WCS.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. Again, that's the Naked Truth WCS.com forward slash store. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes. It helps us to spread the word. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And, and that's, that's the, the Naked, naked Truth. truth. <laughs>